Hello, uh, my name is Dave Anthony. You are listening to The Dollop, a historical podcast. Normally, a historical podcast about America. I'll tell you a little something different. Because my friend... Gareth Reynolds is going to tell Dave Anthony a story he knows nothing about. Reverse dollop! It's a bizarro dollop. So I would like to start by saying, how are you, Derry? <laughs> you fuck... <laughs> Huh? Dairy, you piece uh, of shit. Yeah, all right, fair. Yeah, fair, yeah. isn't it? Dairy. <laughs> fucking dairy. So much anger. Oh, is there? <laughs> you know how it's Gareth's can be. Take it easy, Garth. No, oh, you son of a fucking bitch. You son of a bitch. God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. People say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. (laughs) All right. Well, um, the reason why I think this this story is a little more appropriate is because of what has just happened. There's something in the news. Uh, the movie The Interview got mm-hmm. pulled because mm-hmm. uh, they decided to make a movie about assassinating and actually carrying through the assassination of um, Kim – I forget the kid's name Jong now. Kim Jong-un. Right, yeah. Uh, it's so weird that his the last part of his name is UN. Yeah, it's so great, ironic. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he is uniting nations. He is uniting a lot of nations. Um, but the thing is that not a lot of people, or maybe they do, but um, film Hollywood cinema in the Jong family, it starts with dad, Kim Jong Il. So we're going to talk about Kim Jong Il a little bit. The first guy. The the Kim Jong Il, Kim Jong Un's father. Yeah. You know, the guy who we, we at this point miss a little bit, that guy, that little, <laughs> little scamp. Born February 16th, 1941, oh. though official accounts do place his birth a year later. Some mystery surrounds when and where Kim Jong-il was born. According to North Korean historical literature, Kim Jong-il was born in a log cabin inside a secret base on Korea's most sacred mountain, the, Mount Pikdu. Why is he... Okay. <laughs> At in the moment of his birth, okay. a bright star lit up the sky, nope. the seasons spontaneously <laughs> changed from winter to spring, no. and rainbows appeared. Okay. <laughs> Jesus It's Christ. a big birth. You could have done with any of those, and they would have been amazing. It's a big birth. There, like, it all have just rainbow, and then rain- rainbows. Not one rainbow, rainbows. Bows. It just was, it was like- No, a, it was the double rainbow, the double rainbow yeah. guy was there, he was freaking it out. Was, it was like a, it was like a 4th of July fireworks spectacular. Listen, just picture anything good, uh-huh. and that's what happened. Like, so, did, so we're, we're like- Unicorns shot out of pigs' asses. U- unicorns were <laughs> vomiting delicious Pepsi Cola oh into the mouths of the like citizens. A, it was a really, really big. It's a big Skittles day. commercial. Yes, exactly. Fair enough. However, you'll probably be a little disheartened to know that this does contradict the way less interesting accounts of his birth that uh, us Westerners oh. believe in, which is that uh, he, he was can- born in a guerrilla <laughs> camp in Russia while his father was on the run from Japanese officials. <laughs> So that's completely different. One of the two. One of the two. I, there's not even any overlap. One of the two. There's I mean, like, it's, a, it's an either or. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the. Look, Dave. I don't understand what's so hard to understand. Look, either he was born in a sacred mountain at the moment of his birth, a bright star lit up the sky, the seasons spontaneously change from winter to spring, and rainbows appear, uh-huh. or he was born in a camp because his dad was running away from the Japanese. I remember when. It did seem like winter just turned to spring, so I'm going to go with the first one. Yeah, that's what happened. It was a big birth. So Kim Jong-il's father, Kim Il-sung, was a bit of an army guy. Uh, After the Korean War, Kim Il-sung built a cult of personality around himself, making himself the unquestioned great leader of the country, which is an interesting way (laughs) to rise to power, just sort of being like, it's mine, right? Like, it's not like the last piece of chicken. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me. I'm super awesome. So um, who's running this? Probably just going to be in charge. Hey, uh, how about this guy? 
and the great and the, myself. the great leader also, which is what you it's know you call little, yourself. It's a little presumptuous. You name yourself that. It's a tad presumptuous. So Kim Il Sung began grooming his son for leadership early on, putting okay. him in control of the propaganda and agitation department of the Workers' Party. Which reading it now does sound a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're in charge of bullshit and fighting. All right, that's my boy. You're going to lie to that guy, you're going to punch him. There? You guys good? If, if he calls you a liar, beat the fuck out of him. Okay? Okay, you're, it's in the bullshit and punch department. You good with that? Here we go. We'll come up with a catchier business card title. Um, between 1970 and 1980, Kim, Kim Jong-il occupied several positions of increasing power. And by 1980, a personality cult began to form around him as the great leader's successor. So it's genetic. That Kim Il-sung just sort of was like, I'm the coolest, so and everyone bought it. And Kim Jong-il basically did the same thing. So so then, so everyone was like, well, he came from that other one, so he's awesome. Well, too. they were there the day he was born, so they knew something special was about him because of all the rainbows. Oh, right. Well, the yeah. rainbows happened. The rainbows happened, the, so they were... The uh, winter turned to spring. Really? After that, do you really have to give the hard sell? Oh, look, if I see a rainbow on a day a man is born, I, I follow him. If you vote for him, he's yeah. the next great leader. Um, so he was, he was a real daddy's boy and, uh, his dad came to power and well, then he everybody is a daddy's boy to this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he was, so was everyone on the fucking place. Yeah, that's true. Um, so his dad gave the power to his son. So once Kim Jong-il became the supreme commander of the Korean people's, uh, became commander of the Korean people, he, uh, actually changed the position of president. He actually abolished it and gave it a new title. Oh. Uh, the title was General Secretary of the Workers' Party and Chairman of the National Defense Commission. Because it's easier to say. Easier to say. It's catchier. It's good. It's a good thing to have. What's the uh, 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 acronym for it? What's the, the acronym uh, for that would that, be That's the, probably why it makes sense. It would be the, the G-S-W-P-C-N-D-C. See, that makes more sense. Catchy. Now, now that you read it out like that. You can pronounce that word. President. This is an easy word. He was designated as the supreme commander of the Korean People's Army, thus giving him the tools he needed to maintain complete control of the government once he but took the, power. They, but weren't they already that? Yes, they were. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes. So he's just doing more of the same. But uh, he's got a new position title, so that's fun. Yep. Uh, Kim was known to personally manage the country's affairs and set operational guidelines for individual industries. So he had his finger in a lot of pies. He's said to be arrogant. He was said to be arrogant, self-centered. Wait, 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 mm -hmm. wait. You're telling me this guy's arrogant? Yeah. After everything you've read? Well, I don't I don't know if I believe this. If you, a unicorn you actually... blew you when you were born, wouldn't you have a little bit of a chip? I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, so Hey, I'm the fucking rainbow guy. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. I mean, being the rainbow kid is like being a child star. You're like, this kid's going to grow up shitty. <laughs> I mean, look, he believes that a fuck rainbows. Come on. The fuck is he gonna do? No way. He's probably gonna become a junkie. This does not work out. Did you see the Dana Plato story? <laughs> I mean, right? Same right. deal. What are you talking about, North Korea? Um, he also he openly rejected criticism. He was not a fan. <laughs> he was not a fan of opinions that differed from his. Okay, right now we're talking about my dad, but. I love that he openly ejected, rejected criticism. <laughs> no, Dave. Nope. Dave, he was one of those unique inv individuals who didn't like when people disagreed with him. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those quirks. It's one of his little quirks. I'm going to openly just go ahead and say no to you. <laughs> no. So. You you just said that I was not the Supreme well, Leader. And, and you know I, the reality, too, is like e even just being able to have that printed. The reality is that he would fucking just kill anybody right. who just didn't right. believe him or disagreed That's with him. Okay, what I mean by open criticism, uh -huh. <laughs> and when I say re I'm rejecting, I'm rejecting it. I mean I'm killing. Yeah, I, w I want that guy killed. I openly, drop a dollop. I want him openly killed. Like I want him to be shot in front of in people, in front of everybody, and so everyone knows. Get his family down here. We'll make a day of it. Um. So, uh, there are a lot of stories about his eccentricities, his playboy lifestyle, the lifts in his shoes, the pompadour hairstyle that made him appear sure. taller because he didn't like that people thought he was short, right. and his fear of flying. Well, uh, was he short, though? He was short. Or, or were you just seeing him as short? You know what? Now that I think about it, my eyes were short. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so your, the eyes of my soul. You have a problem with your eye. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank, Thank you. you for making Thank that. Thank you. Um, Kim gave firm instructions that the party's monolithic ideological message be communicated constantly 
by writers, arse, artists, and officials in the media. Not arsonists, which is what I almost but said. But that's what, that's what all the writers and artists wanted to do at that point anyway. Yeah, no, you, that's the, that's the fun fucking, material. If there's a guy that shot rainbows out of his asshole when he was born, then you want to... And he wants paintings. us to talk about it. I you think wanna... that's fair. I think he wants us to give it a little artistic integrity, which I'm fine with. Um... According to official accounts, he revolutionized the Korean fine arts by encouraging the productions of new works and new media. This included uh, art, film, and cinema. So, so, he, so he enjoyed art. He not only did he enjoy art, he was obsessed with movies. He was obsessed not only with movies, with Western films. Was he, he, was, was he super into critical thinking? Super into critical thinking, too. Yeah. Unless you dis- so he, unless it, only if it was his critical so thinking. He wanted, we art, he wanted art to really explore the boundaries, I imagine. The boundaries that he had set within a small property line. Right, yes. the tiny little. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the small box is limitless in what you can explore. It, it, yeah. Yes. It, with it, stay in the circle. Yes. So he, he loved he loved films. He was a huge film fan. He had a collection of more than 20,000 VHS tapes and DVDs. Oh, my God. 20,000. That's insane. He, he reportedly his favorite movie franchises included Friday the Thirteenth, Rambo, what? Godzilla, <laughs> James Bond, Hong Kong action cinema, and by far the best, any movie starring Elizabeth Taylor. What? <laughs> he, he loved he loved Liz. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! She's so drunk in this one. Yeah, he loved, which is just so great. Oh, look how think. drunk she is. It's just like when, like, it is like in Bond films when the bad guy has, like, a fluffy kitty. You're just like, what is going on? Like, But let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. He probably couldn't enjoy Friday the 13th Part 3 the way I could. No. Because it was in 3D. Yeah. And yeah. I sat at theater in Santa Fe and I watched the rats coming at me and whatever else. But he but couldn't. you also couldn't enjoy it on the same level as him because you'd never murdered anyone. Like it's almost a, a whole people. So. Yeah. If you think about it like that. Fair. You guys. You, brought, you That's why I think you guys would have a great critique. We would have had a good. We would have had a good. Well, we, we almost had a crossfire together. Is that right? Yeah, we almost did a crossfire. <laughs> David Kim crossfire. <laughs> we're, we're halfway into your first point, you get shot in the head. On the left, Dave Anthony. On the holy fuck, <laughs> what the shit? On the left, Dave Anthony. On the he's 100% right of me, Kim Jong-il. All righty. Some quotes. Mm. No production of high ideological and artistic value can evolve out of a creative group whose members are not united ideologically and in which discipline and order have not been established. Jesus, good So Christ. that's a fun space to play in. That's not. The cinema occupies an important place in the overall development of art and literature. As such, it is as powerful an ideological weapon for the revolution and construction. That's exactly why people make films. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, as so, a weapon. So what he is saying, you know, mixing history, political ideology, and movie making, Kim encouraged the production of several epic films which would glorify the works written by his father. So, he's so if you're saying epic film, it's like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. Like, there's just not a lot of editing. Exactly. Yes, that's and what we're talking I think about. If if there is one thing you will find in the in some of the creative work of Kim mm-hmm. Jong Il, you will find that editing is not a strong suit <laughs> in the uh, North Korean film department. Fair. Um, so, despite his creative influences on the industry during the 1970s. I mean, the fact that he literally wrote the book on communist filmmaking called The Art of Cinema, North Korean movies stunk. Nobody what? liked them. Yeah. They what? were not good. People did not enjoy them. Well, did he? What about the scripts? I mean, was it the director that was ruining them? You know, the problem was that there was just a creative influence inside that just wasn't making him work, and he That's couldn't so find weird. out what it was. That's so weird. He was unable to put his finger on it. Strange. But he was frustrated. Yeah. He, he really was so obsessed with film that this drove him crazy. So, so did he know they were bad movies? I think he did. I mean, I think he he definitely did. I mean, he because he's continuing to try to make them better. He like, yeah. you know, Japan and even South Korea were like making films that yeah. people were actually responding to. Right. And here he was with 20,000 movies and he couldn't make a fucking film to save his life. Well, I love a story about art. So continue. <laughs> and keep in mind, the plots were great. So he's frustrated. So he sought, to, he sought help by forcing 11 Japanese cultural consultants into servitude during the late 70s and early Wait, 80s, only to have several die inconveniently on the job, what? some by their own hands. Did he kidnap them? Yes, he kid. Basically, he took eleven. He took eleven Japanese people, and he made them to try make to make movies that had the North. Cur- like what he's doing too, which is amazing, is that he just it's it's his it's his propaganda. It's just not going to get made right. Right. 
So he's just fucking like pissed that nobody can do it. Everybody can't do it right, but everyone's like, well, the plots of your fucking movie. Well, they're terrible. It's like a bullshit. First of all, the title, your own title is horseshit. Oh, your own. He's not, the, he's not the, good the, at the titles. The title you gave yourself is bad. He's, I can't even tell you about the movie. He here. is not good at titles. So he had the movie these... to stop horses with stagecoaches and, and take bank money. Part two. Because <laughs> you wonder how the first one ended. Um, so he was very frustrated. These people were dying. It's very frustrating when you when you hire <laughs> slash take a a person who to come and make your film and then they kill themselves. Well, they were there for a little while and a lot of them killed themselves. And so Kim Kim was still on the search for his Orson Welles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Seth Rogen, enter. Enter Seth Rogen, James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to Shin Sang-ok. Mm. Okay. I love him. Love him. The son of a prominent doctor of Chinese medicine. Shin Sang-ok was born in Chongjin at yep. the northeastern part of the Korean Peninsula, at the time occupied by Japan. Shin studied uh, in the Tokyo Fine Arts School, the predecessor to the Tokyo National University of Fine Arts and Music in Japan, before returning to Korea three years later. So basically, he went off to Japan, yeah. he got all artsy-fartsy, comes home to North or to South Korea, where he's going to make films. Right. After he's learned all and this... South this, Korean this, films are really good. South Korea, we've all... I mean, we Maybe all remember... The host? The host. Other ones? And all the others. I mean, there's, <laughs> the list goes on and on. There's the host, there's the others. It's crazy. So, There's the sixth movie and the seventh movie. There's the other ones. And then the ninth is just crazy. The ninth one is It's amazing. crazy how it works. There's a whole bunch of them. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> so Shin started his film career as an assistant production designer on Viva Freedom. Great title for sure. I mean, look. Viva in its Korean film, sure. I mean, who doesn't say yay freedom? I mean, <laughs> in Korean. Viva! Um... And it was the first Korean, uh, Korean film made after the country achieved independence from Japan. So it really was, this was like, as much as we're making fun of it, this really was starting to enter like the South Korean golden age of cinema. Right. Right. In like the 50s and 60s. And, uh, and after that, Shin started directing prolifically. He was writing. He was making more than two films a year. He had the nickname the Prince of Korean Cinema. The production company he started, Shin Films, produced around 300 films during the 60s. Jesus Christ. 300 films. What, they were like two-day films? Like, what the fuck I, is that? They were winning prizes, though. Uh, the, the Prince of Yonsan, you remember that one from mm, 1961. Love that one. Was the winner of the Best Film Prize at the first Grand Bell Awards ceremony, which I know you're, you're getting an award from oh, later yeah. this year. Yeah, I'm getting a Grand excited. Bell for uh, the Pumpkin Man. But he's on top of the world. Yeah. He's well, on he's top of the world. Fucking cranking out films. He's doing what he wants to do. And what does he need? Well, he needs a dame by his side. So he begins dating the biggest star in Korean cinema at the Fuck time, yeah. someone named Cho In, Cho In Hee. Mm. You're getting it tough. You're getting it tough. Mm. The I name. think it's fine. But uh, so she's hot. She's uh, hot. She's the shit. Yep. He. It's this guy's fucking living the life. And he married her. Fuck yeah. He so did. he made her an honest woman, right? Fuck yeah. This story is awesome. However, that only lasted so long because wow. in 1978, Choi divorced Shin. What? Shin was apparently having some affairs. She found out He's about it. He's allowed to. He's the giant. I agree with man. you. I agree with you. But Choi was not into it, so it was it was clear that Chin, that Shin was still the best director that Korea had to offer. Fuck yeah, it is. Even though he's divorced, I don't think anybody's debating that. Now, who do you think took notice of Chin? Uh, probably some people in Hollywood. Kim Jong Il. Imagine Kim Jong Il took notice. Really? Of what Shin was doing. It's so weird because you'd think the way their interests are, they wouldn't overlap. In 1978. Kim Jong-il hatched a plan. Oh, God. He would use Choi as bait to get nope. Shin. What? What? Choi was kidnapped in Hong Kong. They're already divorced, right? They're divorced. Well, this seems like an end to the problem. You know how you know how sloppy it is getting divorced? You still have emotions? <sighs> Shit. Choi was kidnapped. His ex-wife was kidnapped in Hong Kong. She yeah. was taken to Hong Kong docks, bundled aboard, and taken on an eight-day trip to Pyongyang. Good. Good trip. A great trip. I've always said, if you want to go to Pyongyang, get a bag over your head and make it take eight days. Holy fuck. It's the best. Okay, look. You know what? It all sounds bad, but it's all for the good of film. Well, after hearing of his wife's disappearance, mm-hmm. Shin traveled to Hong Kong to investigate, which sure. I think makes sense. Yep. You want to know what happened? And he's you know, He's trying to get to the bottom of it. Figure it out. Right. Unfortunately, at that point, Kim Jong-il had hid- him kidnapped as well. Well, okay, so did he like walk into the same warehouse? Was it like... 
here's here's what I can tell it's you. It's like an empty chair, and he goes in. And, Someone what? suddenly pulled a sack over my head, and I couldn't see anything or breathe properly. He so said. It's, so it's the. Have you ever seen the? What's the movie where? Where the guy, the chick, gets taken. Taken. The vanishing. So it's like the vanishing. It's like taken. It's, it's the. It's, no, it's the movie, the vanishing. When when the the guy goes to a gas station. I mean, there's a there's a better version that's I think uh, I want to say from Amsterdam, but okay. I'm not sure. But there's a there's a, a a woman gets taken from like a gas station, and then and then she gets buried alive, and then the husband is going crazy, and he eventually somehow gets in contact with the guy who took her and the guy says, I'll show you what happened to yeah. her. And then he takes, yeah. and then he so, takes the guy and buries her, I, buries that, him. And if, he goes, that's what happened. Was that a North Korean film? Cause it sounds <laughs> very similar. It sounds like a very similar yeah. plot. So he'd taken him. So, uh, Kim Jong Un had finally, Kim Jong Il had finally just kidnapped his Orson Welles. Thank God. So now it's, it's on. Now we can make good North Korean movies. Now we can fight. Look, he just Thank got you. this guy. He and got look. this guy. He brought him in. He just, again, he needs consultants. Can I just say that sure. it worked out so well with the Japanese guys? Yeah. How, I can't see it do, doing Here's, anything but good. If you're this. Kim Jong-il, you definitely don't bring up the Japanese experiment. No, Ixnail's Okay. Dying, <laughs> yeah. the whole, you uh, know, they had great ideas. They, look. Was they the last themselves. thing that went through their head not a creative idea but a bullet? Sure. Sure, sure it was. Though. But you know what? This, this one is, plus he's got the actress that he... He's, and don't think that he doesn't plan on using her. Um, so Choi was the first one to arrive after being kidnapped in Hong Kong by his secret agents in 78. I was really terrified. I w- it was so frightening. I was in such a worried state that I couldn't eat or drink anything for ages. Finally, I fainted and later learned that they'd injected me with some sort of sedative. So it's a nice arrival. Yeah. It's like when you get off the plane in Hawaii and they lay you. Well, it's like having a little bit of jet lag, except you've been kidnapped. Except it's a sedative <laughs> that they've injected you with. Because you've been kidnapped. You know how jet lag is. Yeah. Uh, it was not long before the reason for the kidnappings had been made clear. Kim Jong-il confessed that the reason he had kidnapped his wife and the reason he had kidnapped him was because he wanted Shin to come and make films for him. North Korean films. Mm. With death being the other option, Shin Sang-ok said... Okay. Yeah, well, it's... Um, hmm. So either you'll kill me or I can make movies? Yeah. So... I'm going to go ahead and make movies. That's a great idea. Because yeah. the other one, you die. You... I mean, I feel like there should be some more negotiating room, but... Uh, mm, negotiating room is kind of when I shoot I people. go back to where I No, from? no. You live okay. here now. Okay. It's gorgeous, isn't it? No, it's terrible. It's gorgeous. Is that a... A dead Japanese a 19, man, but don't look at that. Is that a 1944 Ford? Yes. <laughs> yes, that is. Is that? It's, oh. Yeah. Uh, is there a problem? Or? No, we just have newer cars. Oh, this is the top of the line. Oh. Yeah. This, okay. is, the, this is the fastest car in North Korea. Okay. That's yeah. great. That's sometimes go up to 20, 30 miles per hour. Yeah, this is going to be Sometimes. Great. This is going to be great. You're going to love it. I love it here. Uh, so he's filmed Matt. So why the couple that, of rides. Why is that person eating a flower? Hmm? Oh, her? Don't, don't worry, she's, we're going to have her killed. She shouldn't be eating that. <laughs> okay. She's not allowed to eat flowers, and she knows it. Well, they're all just eating plants. Yeah, they're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> they're not supposed to be eating those. Okay. Those are for torturing. Okay, fair. Not for eating. I didn't know. Yeah, well, listen, you've got to learn hard and fast here. We pl- I'll tell you something. We play, we play hardball here, pal. Yeah, I get so it. So don't oh, be I eating flowers it. or looking at me in the okay. eyes or well, disagreeing. They, just, they look really thin. Yeah, they are really. The flowers? No, the people. We'll water them. <laughs> We'll water those flowers. Okay. Soon after the couple arrived in Pyongyang, he took him on a private tour of his film library. Again, 20,000 films. This is all of my stuff. <laughs> I mean, and you know how annoying it is now when you have, like, VHS tapes? Yeah. Like, they were all VHS. So somewhere right now, 20,000 VHS tapes. Just like, <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do with all these Elizabeth Taylor movies? <laughs> I know I've just kidnapped you, but I want to show you all my awesome shit. Which is great, which is really like a theme, uh, obviously, in this, is that he, while he kidnapped them, he was going to kill them if they did anything besides that. He also was kind of being like, you know, it's just the three of us creatively working together. Yeah, we are the same. Yeah, are we're we buddies. So sorry that they kidnapped you guys. Anyway, now that you're here and I could undo it, let me take you on a tour. What's the, what's the fucking sound of Bernhard? Take comedian, The comedian movie? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Punchline. Rupert, uh, yeah. No. Punchline. Mm, the King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Right. This is like the King of Comedy. Sort yes. Of. It's like the King of Comedy. Except, except it's another country. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, he uh, he took Kim told them that he had placed two point five million dollars into an Austrian bank account and told Mr. Shin that the money would be available for him to make quoting good films. So again, he's on just on the quest to make some good fucking movies. And this is nineteen seventy. This is in the seventies when they were kidnapped. Late seventies. That's, that's a good budget. It's a nice film. nice chunk of change to make yeah. some fucking propaganda bullshit. Now, initially, the director uh, was not sure exactly what the North Korean meant by a good film. <laughs> Until he took note of what he had watched most often. So he noticed that he liked Bond films. He liked Elizabeth Taylor. Uh-huh. He liked Godzilla. Okay. These were all films that put he so... All, put them all together and what do you get? Well, over the next two years, Mr. Shin made more than 20 films. Holy... F- what the fuck? Many of them propaganda tales commissioned just by Kim Jong-il. So oh Kim Jong-il God. is telling him, you know, may, only make good films. But again, he's being like, here's the films you should make. I want you to make good films. Here's the script. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, I do whatever it is, but um, make sure it's about people uh, understanding that they need to listen. <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. Okay, so this movie's about listening. Yeah, and uh, and then the follow up is called Obey. Yes, and please, these are good. Right? Don't and eat those don't, flowers. Uh, the next movie is called Don't Look Me in the Eyes. <laughs> I'm not short, and I'm not short too. So life in Pyongyang, for the lovely couple, uh, was not just making films and ball gowns. Shin how, was actually unhappy. How were they getting along, the two of them? I, be- I I'm not, at this point, I believe that they are kindred spirits. <laughs> I, uh, they, they never got back together. They didn't. They Even, did not get back that, together. That would be like you wanted. That would be great. It would be a, a good, or... a good movie end. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. But they were definitely. On the same page of let's get the hey, fuck out of horrible. here. This yeah. is a nightmare. By the way, this is a terrible thing that's happening. So Shin, was, they, they were they both hated it, and uh, a couple of times Shin actually tried to escape. However, both attempts fell short, and he was caught. Oh boy, awkward. Uh, super awkward. Super ox. You know what? I'll put it in a movie. <laughs> Don't do that. I was did. doing character research. Don't do what I did. Running away is bad. So, but you know Kim Jong Il, nice guy, mm-hmm. right? He super wants good to guy. help them. So uh, he just sentenced them to long prison terms for their insubordination. Oh, my God. There they would receive re-education classes designed to teach them the error of their ways. Right. This is fucking crazy. No, it makes sense. I I was jailed for about five years, but I didn't know at the time that it would end up being that long. If I had known from the start, I would have rather been dead. During this time, I was very, very, very depressed. They expected brainwashing to change me. What? His wife, also ordered to attend the uh, re-education classes, was forced to study North Korea's glorious revolution and later made to sit in on exams on the subject. What? So, so, so they, they tried to fucking leave. Because he fucking kidnapped them, they tried to fucking leave. He would fucking bring them back and not see that the problem was that they, he just thought he could break them. Right. He was like, well, no, you're here now. You're here. I am the, did he call himself the master of puppets? I would think that he did at some and point. I am the master of puppets. And, uh, so, and plus, you guys get to make movies. For me. For me. <laughs> How awesome is it that you get to make before you were just making movies for everybody. Now you get to make movies for me. Well, I know how stifling it can be to make films about literally anything. That you want. So here's a here's a pinhole. I'm going to use some very small parameters. Work, work within that. Work within that. Uh, she was uh, she was also she was also going through the brainwashing. Uh, her quote: "I was very unhappy. I did think of suicide, but then I thought of my family and how much this would hurt them. It was just an awful time." <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> that was an obvious magazine. Have you read this week's issue of Obvious? Um, well, no shit. Uh, I would kill myself, but it would hurt my family. And, and what's cr- the, and they're fun. separated too, and they both do just talk about how like literally all they thought about was killing themselves. Yeah, like they I just they that. just wanted the only reason why they didn't was because they had a family. Uh, so his what? Uh, so he was kept in an all male prison. By the way, this is going to happen to Seth Rogen. And James Franco. Well, that's what's—it's so fu- maybe that's what's so fucking crazy to me about all this is that, like, you think about like North Korea is the fucking worst. Yeah. The idea—the idea that we would listen or that anyone here would listen to North Korea about anything. Let me just say, I'm going to go on record right now. North Korea did not hack anything. You don't think? Nope. 
So then what the fuck? Why? Why? Because Obama, I mean, they're saying that they did. I know. They said they said that they said that Saddam Hussein attacked. That who was? That Saddam Hussein was part of nine eleven. They said that. Yeah, I, there's, I agree. There's a million reasons. Yeah, for sure, it's yes. total bullshit. But I also think that a huge mistake that was made was that Sony decided to not release the film. I totally agree. I mean, I think like if you, if you wanted to put out there, hey, look, the, this fucking little dickhead is crazy, and he's saying he's going to bomb theaters. If you want to wait, you might just want to wait. But the idea that we would be like, take it away right. from him. I know. I mean, it's a guy who's been like, I could shoot nukes at California. And we're I like, know. okay, fuck face, All take right, care, asshole. Oh, you're going to bomb a movie theater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just is crazy. I'm very upset by it, as you can tell. I'm yeah, just so emotional. Easy, calm down. Anyway, uh, Uck was kept in an all-male prison for, for those years where he was forced to survive. And this is really fucked up. Wait, on seriously, a, this is the guy that, this is the fucking director that he yeah, loves. Yeah, this is Orson Welles. But so then, why is he put? Why is he putting him? Because he, he has to, to teach him. He he tried to escape so two times. To, so he's trying to break him as a man. He's trying to break him as a man, and he's trying to change his thinking completely. But the, for for when he was in jail, he was forced to survive on a diet of grass, salt, and rice. But wait, as man. punishment for trying to escape. Back up. That's just the North Korean national diet. <laughs> that you know, that's not far off. I don't know if they actually had much. That's else. true. But if you have you ever had that, they serve it down at uh, the gra- th- the grass train. Which is I'll tell you, I actually the love the grass train. Have you been to Grass and Rice? Well, you know what's <laughs> funny is that um, what he had is not too sim- not too far away from my actual diet. Uh, <laughs> not so much the salt, but the grass and rice. Yum. Oh, no salt for me today. Thanks. So he's in. So he's in jail. Mm-hmm. Hasn't seen his wife in five years. He's thin. He's thin. He's, he's look. He's got that beach body we're yeah, all going for. What I'm talking about. He's got that sweet Dexter trim thighs. He looks good. good. Uh, and he was finally released and reunited with his wife at a lavish government party. Chen recalled the conversation he had that evening with Kim Jong Il over soft drinks at the event. Which, by the oh, way, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, slow it down. Yeah. Okay. So we're just. Now, when they say soft drinks at the event, yeah. are they, is it like bragging? <laughs> I, I, you know, drinks? knowing North Korea, it totally <laughs> is like, you know, he comes over, he's like, I see you uh, have a Dr. Pepper. I, we have the party. We have a Dr. Pepper. We have a Mr. Pib. Oh, soda pop. Oh, I'm uh, going to have a squirt. Huge event. <laughs> Seven up, anyone? It's like our awesome. name drop. Uh, so he's so they're there. He's just gotten released, and he's at a government event, and he's having fucking drinks with the guy. So now Kim Jong Il and him are chewing the fat, having Wait, a fat chew. Why? The day he got out, he's brought to a government event. But yeah, but I because guess that makes sense. Because, because what Kim Jong Il does is he makes it so that you don't connect him with this stuff. That's what he's trying to do. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So he's like, "Hey, I got so you." So the people out. are kidnapped. I didn't know where you so were. he kidnaps them, where and then were? he takes them on a tour. Where were you? He throws them in jail. I was looking for you yeah. this time. Yeah, and I, he, was here. I had a Mr. Pib here. Which has got to be as as somebody like in the palm of his hand. You have to just be like, "I'm so fucking scared." Fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm but so scared. This look at man. me. Look at my eyes. Yeah, you love Mr. Pib. They're right? dead. I'm here. Oh, cool soda. I just thought about suicide for I five know, years while I ate grass. But I had Mr. Pib the whole time, and you. I didn't know where you were. You're an awesome guy, sir. If I had known where you were, I would have totally gotten you out. But, you, but I just found out yesterday because I, I was like, where's the guy that makes my movie? Yeah, I wish you'd asked that four and a half years ago, but cool. It's great to be here having soda. You know what? Here we are. You want to talk about movies? I do want to talk about movies. in the past five years, they've made some humdingers. What, wouldn't that be amazing if he was like, well, so we found somebody who's really good. I'm just going to have you killed. Have you heard of Robert Evans? <laughs> Bob Cause, Evans. Because shit has changed while you were in the hole. <laughs> I, you know, I, one of the better decisions I made was kidnapping Bob. <laughs> Ever since I kidnapped Bob to here, we've just been really been blossoming. The motherfucker stays in the picture. <laughs> also, a whale barfed when I was born. What? Mm? A whale? Yeah. That's not as good. Mm. Um, okay, so he's talking to Kim Jong-il. Quote, the North's, the North's filmmakers are just doing perfunctory work, said Kim. They don't have any new ideas. Their work has the same expression, redundancies, and the same old plots. All our movies are filled with crying and sobbing. <laughs> I didn't order them to portray that kind of thing. <laughs> but, but the truth is... The truth is... <laughs> Stop crying! I can't! But, I'm in North Korea! I mean, exactly. So, so... Didn't you get enough grass last night? 
<laughs> I mean, at the movies, you just get like, putting salt on your grass in a little box like it's popcorn. Oh, it's really good grass. Mm. Oh, my God. But that's the thing, right? Is like he wants people to express themselves. Art, art will reflect what's happening in the world. And, and all and they in, know, in their world, all they all know is hell. It's fucking hell. It's All it is is sobbing and, and this crying. Is the, I think this is during their great starvation period, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> we can't wait for that to end. <laughs> this period's been going on for quite some time. Uh, so, so Shin, so Shin and Cho went back to work for the fucking regime. Well, what else would you do? Is no other choice. You have no other choice. Pick up and keep in or... mind, they, like, they, they were locked down. They were not, yeah. like, they, there was no, I mean, you know, besides trying to literally run out of North Korea, they had no other fucking option. Uh, so they went back to making, uh, films from their situation was obviously not comfortable. Does the rest of the world know what happened to them? Uh, this story or no, at the time? at the time. I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, Korea, South Korea is going to know they've gone missing. Right. But I don't think there was enough like they, evidence they, they, or push. Right. And also, it's the same same thing with the interview. I mean, you, nobody wants to fuck with this country because right. it's like a cornered hornet. <laughs> so you're just sort of like, you don't, you know, the only thing it's going to do is sting the fuck out of you. Can we please rename it Cornered Hornet? <laughs> cornered Hornet. <laughs> So, so he, so that, but that's the problem is that just nobody wants to fuck with him. Yeah. Like if you get kidnapped, it's almost like you know you got a disease. You're like, well, I'm sorry you got it, but I don't yeah, have it. Take care, diet out. See you later. Um. So they were they were not, their situation was not comfortable. They were essentially under house arrest. Uh. They were they were not uh they were not allowed on they were not on set sometimes because trust had been fractured for these films they were making. Oh yeah. But Shin had unparalleled access to the reclusive camp. He, he listened to me. Because we were from South Korea, Shin said. Mm-hmm. Even though we criticized some things, he wanted us to be honest. Others would have been killed for speaking so honestly. So he does have this weird platform where Kim Jong-il will actually let him disagree. He, he has so much respect for him as a filmmaker that he doesn't kill him. He doesn't kill him. How so he'll let him that? disagree. It's that kind of freedom that allows art to really prosper. I agree. What a comfortable environment and creative <laughs> space to play in. From 1983 on, Shin directed seven... By the way, uh, Spielberg's the same way. <laughs> Very similar. If he yeah. respects you, he won't kill you. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember a lot of people died on Jaws. But if you're a PA, forget about it. Oh my God, don't fuck with him. Uh, from 1983 on, Shin directed seven films with Kim Jong-il acting as an executive producer, which just has, <laughs> to, be, has to be a comfortable set when your EP's behind you and you know put you on a grass diet for five years in jail. Hold on, I love the script. I just want to... I, I, I want to make it known that I want to be EP on this one. Great. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, we want to make sure you're on set a lot. Because <laughs> every, everybody feels really comfortable when you're around. Yeah, talk about, like, I mean, when Kim Jong-il's on set, you miss the network. That's how fucked up that guy is. You see the new, uh, you see the new uh, crying and sobbing? I'm the EP on that one. Yeah. I know it's my country, but I'm the EP. Well, a great I mean. too that he complains about crying and sobbing films because he was using North Korean actors and actresses who probably couldn't take breaks from weeping because of their fucking living conditions. Uh, so there's these films are, are not good. Um, what? These films are not good, but the best known of these films is a film called Polgasari. Fuck yeah, it is. Pulgasari, uh, it's a giant monster film made similar to Godzilla. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to give go. you the plot of Pulgasari. Fucking roll it out. Pulgasari. In feudal Korea, the evil king becomes aware that there is a peasant rebellion being planned in the country. Oh, great. We're going to have to stop that. He steals stop all that. the iron and farming tools and cooking pots from the people so that, they may, they may, that he may make weapons to fend off the peasant army. Mm-hmm. After he returns to the property of the people... An old blacksmith is imprisoned and starved to death. Mm-hmm. His last creation is a tiny figurine of a monster, Pulgasari, a Godzilla-like creature that eats iron. The blood of his daughter's the blood of his daughter brings the creature to life and fights with the poor, starving peasants to overthrow the corrupt monarchy. Wait. It's very strange like that. Because Why would he make a movie about revolution? It's really weird. Maybe but, because he thinks he was because they think they were the revolution. I think why he allowed it to be made was because he was sick of crying and sobbing in films. <laughs> I, I really do. Like I think that like Shin Shin was just like saw that he loved Godzilla, yeah. and probably just pitched him something that was more like Godzilla ish, yeah, and had something that the people would fucking respond to because naturally yeah, you would but, think this would be a movie about a monster like shutting people the fuck up. 
but it's actually a movie about, you know, rebelling a little bit. Right, but that shouldn't be in that kind of country. It should not be in that movie. I guess the other thing, too, though, is if you're Kim Jong-il, you're like, nobody's going to fucking do anything. <laughs> right? I mean, I had this shit locked down. I just had steak for breakfast. They've eaten grass for the last three years. The next movie is going to be called Lockdown. <laughs> next movie. So don't worry about this one. You know, when I made Fuck You, uh, it was a real roller coaster experience. Uh, have you seen Go Eat Dirt? You know, <laughs> when we thought of that one. Yeah, remember when I came up with the idea for Go Eat Dirt? Uh, oh, boy. What a eureka moment. Rainbows shot up everywhere. Oh, my God. A unicorn high fived me. So, okay, go ahead. Well, the problem is that some of the films took actual years to finish. So, Paul Gasari aside, in, in some of the films you can actually see aging continuity errors. <laughs> Someone will literally look 10 years older in a scene and then minutes later will look miraculously young again. So that's part of the problem that's with... the flash forward, flashback. And that's part of the problem with putting your fucking filmmakers and casts in prison for years. Well, you say that, that, but I think it helps the artistic integrity I mean, of imagine the, the person doing hair and makeup when you show up. How, I, would, I, would, I would pay money to have Tyler Perry put in a prison and then let him out and then put him back in prison again. Uh, it would be great. Right? Oh, for him. To, yeah, that'd be great. Medea has weird time changes. Oh, what it'd be called. oh my just... God. What if he? What if the new guy kidnapped Tyler Perry? <laughs> that that would be the, great. If that was the end result, if he kidnapped Tyler Perry. That would be great. If Medea he was just like, who's Mercury? the best filmmaker in the West? Uh, Tyler Perry. <laughs> Get him. Uh, finally, in 1986... The first time since they'd been kidnapped, the couple were given permission to travel abroad together. What? Why would he do that? Because it, the, they'd been in North Korea for eight years, and it's the first time. And the reason was because they were allowed to go to a film festival in Vienna. What? They were heavily chaperoned by Korean soldiers. None of this makes sense. They were heavily chaperoned. None of you don't this feel- doesn't make any what? What does he think? He controls the world? This is fucking crazy. Well, that's the thing with him, right? Is that he totally does think he controls what? the fucking world. You know what? You guys can go to con. Uh, go to con. Really great. Who are you wearing? I think you should take the new movie. Uh, take uh, We're Eating Husks. <laughs> head down there to France. And really make a big splash. Let him know about the sequel, Barfing Husks, which we're excited about. But the reason why he did let him go is obviously because it would promote North Korean cinema. Which is terrible. Which and is also, terrible. he's kidnapped these people. He has kidnapped these people, okay. and now he's asked them to go into the real world. Okay. It's a great <laughs> plan. I don't know what could go wrong. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong. How could this go sideways? Well, okay, maybe a little something went wrong. They did manage to persuade their guards to travel in a taxi behind them as they were headed for the festival. What? <laughs> this just doesn't even... <laughs> Well, you know how it is. You don't want to squeeze six in. Oh, my God. Okay, but you guys are going to follow us, right? Yes. We, you, we are going to follow you eyes. right behind. Look me in the eyes. You're going to follow us. Yes. So we'll see you at the hotel. Yes. We will see you at the hotel. Absolutely. Promise. Run. Promise. Promise. You promise? Promise. All right, we'll see you at the place. Run. Uh, we got to a crossroads where we were supposed to turn left for the festival. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> how did you escape? We made a right. Like, that's the... <laughs> Our minders car was following about 30 meters behind us, but several other cars had gotten in between us and them, so we told our driver to turn right instead. <laughs> turn right towards the United States Embassy. Seconds later, the car behind them realized that something was wrong. Holy shit, you guys, they're not following us. And also just picturing it. They a, said they were going to follow. Picturing it like a roundabout or like something where oh. you're sort of like, oh, come on, we got to move. That's no literally, literally the future of North Korean cinema just turned right. This is how fucked up they are in North Korea. They are so scared of the great leader that even if they're in another place, they won't disobey. So yeah. they think that they're just going to keep following Yeah. Them. That's how fucked up they are. That's very true. That is really true. They probably were like, well, they won't divert from the plan because they know what happens when you divert. You eat grass from a bucket. No, they'll just be in the U.S. Embassy eating a nice steak dinner. Well, they did head towards the U.S. US Embassy, and seconds later, the car realized, and they radioed the taxi that the shins were in and asked their driver to tell them which way he'd gone. <laughs> So they they lose them, and then they're like, uh, yeah, copy, come through. Hey, where the fuck are you? 
Hey, you have our kidnapped people? Hey, we uh, um, can you bring we really back? need to keep kidnapping those people. Uh, and also, could you keep the fare down? Also, yeah, I don't know if the meter's running. We will not pay for all this. Escaping aside. No, we did not say make a right, so the, this is on you. Uh, however, and again, you're going to love how delicious this is. The, quick, the couple quickly handed him a sizable tip and told, them, told him to lie about which way they'd gone. Say they'd gone in the opposite direction. Oh, my God. So the Stooges were thrown off. Jesus Christ. Soon they arrived at the U.S. Embassy, but they could not find anywhere to stop outside. And the couple had to get down the road. We tried to run as fast as we could, but it felt like we were in some sort of slow motion movie. Hitting falls in this uh, North Korea. Well, the, everything, they, they, their whole life is saying things, things through movies. I mean, imagine, yeah. Finally, we burst through the embassy's door and asked for asylum. They didn't need asylum. They're Japanese. Listen, when you're... They're fu- Korean. I mean, they're Korean. Korean. Whatever. They need- you just go anywhere where there's anyone else, and you're just like, don't fucking you let don't, me go. You don't need asylum. You just run and say, I've been kidnapped by North Korea. <laughs> yeah, but you just, anything. You're just okay. like, give me a blanket and water. Uh, finally, we burst through the embassy's doors and asked for asylum. On hearing the news, Kim Jong-il... On hearing the news, Kim Jong-il became convinced that the couple had been kidnapped by the Americans. And sent them a message offering them to help get them back to Pyongyang. <laughs> it was an offer they could easily refuse. Look, there's no way they ran away from this awesomeness. <laughs> it's amazing, right? They couldn't. You know what? They he, look at this. He look jailed the them. He jailed them. It's out of it. They're out of their for fucking, five years. It's like the country is being run by actual crazy people. And it's, it. Actual crazy I mean, people. He didn't think that they would possibly like. There's no way they would not them. They would not do this. It's, we had talked about a beautiful future of Korean cinema. It's fucking mind-boggling. Kim Jong Il died on December seventeenth, two thousand eleven, of a heart attack while traveling on a train. Which, by the way, is also like they beefed up his birth so much. I would really love it if like they could just come up with a better death story for him. Well, shit smeared across the sky. <laughs> A, sh- a shit comet flew across the air. You knew his soul was gone. Uh, media reports say that the uh, leader was on work, doing uh, official duties. Upon the news of the dear leader's death, North Koreans marched into the capital, weeping and mourning. Have you ever seen the footage of the North Koreans uh, when Kim Jong-il died? No. Anyone should oh, Google shit, it. shit, I have. Because it's, it's crazy. It's very crazy. It's very sad, but it's very crazy. Because what happens is... They they have to pretend to be sad, right? So it's you know thousands of people yeah. in the, the the middle of you know the the city going like oh wailing, but there's not one fucking not tear. tear. There's not just, a tear. You couldn't find a tear. Wail, it, and it some look. of them and some of them are not good at fake crying, right. but they're all oh they're just weeping their yeah. fucking heads off. It's really and that's my story. It's it was too normal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the Christmas dollop. Wow, fucking wow! But it the reason why I think we thought that we should do that was just because of what has literally just, just happened, happened yeah. and it I it just is so fucked up, and I'm so against it, and I'm so pissed because I really think that that has probably fucked with film yes. forever. For, well, for yeah, for a long time. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And I just want to, I mean, I'm wondering when the new Polgasari reboot is happening. And I'm still on record as saying it's not going it's, it's to be North Korea at the end of the day. That's great. It's going to be some hacker. It's going to be probably some sort of insider at Sony who's mad at the company. There's a lot of weird stuff in yeah. the actual record. Like, the, apparently, the, the, the Korean that has been left as traces mm-hmm. isn't, isn't the, they speak a different Korean in North Korea. Oh, really? And it's not, it's like. So it's like the South Korean Korea. It's what you Korean. would leave if you were trying to leave the print of Korean. Right. But it's not. It's like, it's not the crazy dialect that they use. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's all exciting. good. It's all good. That's, that's an exciting that's, time. Fuck, man. I had no idea. Those poor two fucking people. It's terrible. And there, there's a lot, I mean, you know, it, you can't you, say enough about how awful that situation is. This is why you don't go into film. Yeah. This is why you don't go looking for your ex-wife. I, I wonder if he still has the VHS tapes. Uh, I, Do you what think I, they still have the VHS? What tapes? I love is like the idea that like maybe it's just like like here. Like I put a bunch of shit in my closet that I like. Yeah. I just love the idea that they they have like a garbage room <laughs> where they've just got yeah. twenty thousand fucking. And then they go to another room and it's laser discs. Yeah, laser discs. I really yeah. thought this was gonna be a yeah. thing. Yeah, and he's got yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got his MP3 player. He's like God. <laughs> I really overbought, Dad really overbought an MP3s, didn't he? 
Ted really, Ted really got behind Laserdisc as the next thing. Holy fuck. All right. Merry Christmas, David. Let's hope they kidnap Seth Rogen. And by the way, you want to hear a little Seth Rogen fact? Yeah. Uh, the uh, When he they decided to make the movie, uh, Seth, someone at a, the studio was like, we can't make this with Kim Jong-un. Yeah. And Seth Rogen was like, no, no, we got it. It's going to be great. Trust me. And then Sony was like, we can't do it with Kim Jong-un. And Seth Rogen was like, no, it's going to be fucking great. We got to do it with him. So every step, people, but, would, people would object, and he would say, "No, we got." But do he it almost that way. punched it through. I know he was a week away from punching it but through. This is why they were worried about it, of course. <laughs> and and I will say, it is. I I believe like it's tough to defend this, I know. but I believe he was right. I believe okay. he he did make a film that I was much more interested in seeing. Because they had literally based it on the guy I, who's the fucking dictator right it now. Would, no one would want to see it if it was based on a, a false person. And now, at the end of the day, had they made it with a false person, for sure, the movie would have made more money and gotten seen. But Over zero. Over zero. But, but again, the zero part is not Seth Rogen's fault. That's the fucking pussy studio's right. fault. And the, and the theater chains. And the theater chains. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How long is that? That's Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.